I mean, no, it, it, I shouldn't even be complaining. I mean, it's a choice that like every single person, like every like common person has to deal with. Apparently it's like, do I, you know, do I want to sleep with Scarlett Johansson. Do I want to sleep with Sofia Vergara. I mean, you know, it's just choices like that, that I feel like, like I said, every, everybody goes through it. Uh, it, it it's a thing that <laughs> you would, it would be the main stake of any movie, I guess. Um, it's funny you say that because I'm kind of going through a tough decision right now. See, I, I've gotten I've gotten really good at making Cubanos, and I need to decide: do I want to keep making the same Cubano over and over again, or do I want to branch out and try something new? Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because that reminds me: it's not as big of a deal, but it is kind of like a secondary tough choice. It's like my old friend—I don't even know if he's a friend. I kind of know him. Robert Downey Jr. just told me that he had sex with my ex-wife while I was married to her. So, I guess I'm trying to decide, you know. Do I say anything or just not bring it up for the rest of the movie? And I guess by movie, I mean my life because this is totally about me, not a shitty movie called Chef. I think you should just brush it off and come make Cubanas with me in a food truck. Let's do it. I'll be your John Leguizamo. Keith can be your child. He's <laughs> on Twitter all day. <laughs> Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best buds, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how are you tonight? Doing good. Been a fine day. You know, been working. Um, so I'm lucky in that sense that I can still be working and, you know, be around, you know, family and friends and all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, today was nice. You know, we're back to our Star Wars series, so we got to watch Return of the Jedi. Hadn't seen it in a while, so I was looking forward to checking it out. So, you know. Hopefully the audience and you guys are ready for this one. Let's do it. Well, Keith, I know if the Emperor ordered you to strike me down, just like Luke, you would refuse. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, but I don't know, Austin. I don't know if I'm so sure I would refuse. Yeah, I don't think Keith would. I feel like Keith would be more conflicted. Like maybe he might, instead of making a choice that he probably should, maybe he'll just stare out a window for 30 minutes and not do anything. Keith could be that kind of guy. And I'm not, I when I say that, when I say that, I'm not like referencing anything or anybody in this movie that we just watched. You know what I'm saying? I would just be wondering where Biggs would be. Austin, Keith literally said last episode that Wedge wasn't in this movie. And he's like, I this know. More than any other one. <laughs> oh, man. This movie yeah. made me wish that Biggs was still alive because I bet he would have had a big role too. It's honestly a shame. Wedge is back, baby. Golly, at least he's back. I mean, that's something, I guess. Well, I guess actually, no, we just answered our own freaking question from last week. We, I was bitching the whole time. Like, why do people care about Wedge? And I still, I'm not going to back off completely on that, but I get it a little bit more. I mean, the guy did some pretty cool stuff in this movie. So I guess that I'll give him some credit there. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're still in the intro. Today, we are oh, continuing yeah. our bi-weekly Star Wars series with episode six, Return of the Jedi. We did it. We made it to the conclusion of the original trilogy. Congratulations, boys. Personally, I had high hopes for this film. Empire really surprised me with how much it held up on a rewatch. I was hoping once again to be pleasantly surprised with Return of the Jedi. And you were? I was not. Oh. I was very let down on this viewing, but we'll get to that in just a second. Matt, give us some thoughts before we roll the music. Yeah, this one was a weird watch. I found myself just really bored and uninterested. And I wasn't expecting that. I've kind of felt like I would either like it or I wouldn't. I never really liked this movie that much as a kid. It was always my least favorite. And I guess I still feel that way. I don't even know if I feel that way. I was just so bored. I kept looking away, kept doing other things. Uh, so this is a weird one. So I'm definitely interested to see what <laughs> you guys think. Um, it's not even that I'm like 100% I love it or hate it. I, or even I'm in the middle. I just don't know. <laughs> I just was so kind of... I don't really have much of an opinion on it. So maybe our discussion will help me formulate that. Well, I have an opinion, but (laughs) we'll get to it. (laughs) All righty. Well, before we get to the actual movie, let's, as always, get into some movie facts. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast, as usual, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, James Earl Jones, and Billy Dee Williams all return. In this movie, though, we do have another newcomer, Ian McDermott, as the Emperor. How do you pronounce this guy's name? Is that his name? McDermott. 
for once I'm saying it right (laughs) I was gonna say yeah because I was like I I don't even know if I ever knew this actor's name Hmm. yeah this was weird isn't isn't this kind of weird I know like because I mean I was born I guess to give people context I was born in 94 so like the prequels were huge for me um as those were coming out I feel like I was the perfect age I was five eight and then we went to go see Revenge of the Sith I would have been 11. So I was like, I couldn't have been more excited. And he, Ian McDermott, McDiarmid, whatever, um, he was obviously a main character in those playing the Emperor. But I guess as a kid, either I didn't realize it or I didn't go back to Return of the Jedi that much because it is interesting that he plays the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. And then like 15 plus years later, he plays like the young Emperor in the prequels. So that was kind of cool that he got to come back and it was kind of a pleasant surprise, or I guess just to be reminded that he did play the emperor here and a little bit kind of like Yoda in empire where we were kind of like, it doesn't really feel like the Yoda from the prequels. I feel like this emperor like for the whole movie, except for the end for the whole movie, he seems like a very different character. He doesn't even seem that bad. He's like calling Vader, like, hello, my friend. <laughs> like He's kind of, he kind of plays a weird role. Like everybody's so scared of him, but I'm like, huh, why? Seems kind of chill. But uh, eh, that changed. But yeah, it was cool to see him, especially, you know, after his role in the prequels. Well, I'm 90% sure I, sh- I said Ian McDermott right. However, I am about to fuck up this next name. Uh, this film's also directed by Richard Markand. Am I saying that right? I bet it's Marquand. Is that a Q-U I Marquand. saw at the credits? So it's probably Richard Marquand, I would guess. But I could be wrong, too. Market. <laughs> it's also written by Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Um, and then of course the story and the storyboards are by George Lucas and scored by John Williams. Um, cool. So once again, with production, this film is personally financed by Lucas through Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. And actually uh, Steven Spielberg was Lucas's first choice to direct, which I didn't know. Um, but that couldn't yeah. happen because of some legal problems. Um, Spielberg was part of the Directors Guild of America and Lucas wasn't. And the Directors Guild of America was not happy with Lucas because he did not have any opening credits in his film because he has the opening crawl. So they banned all of the directors from working on any Star Wars movies. And they actually fined Lucas for every Star Wars film that he had an opening crawl in the film. Right. So basically, if you were going to direct it, you couldn't be part of the DGA was the idea. Um, Yeah, I I had heard that. So that is interesting. It's kind of hard to picture. I mean, what this movie would have been. I mean, would it have been the same story if Spielberg was involved? I mean, would it just been like would have been directed differently or would would they have collaborated and come with a different story? What could that have looked like? I don't know. It's just one of those things that you kind of think about the alternate reality. Yeah. Could you imagine that Spielberg Star Wars film? No, and I feel like we're never going to get one either. It's kind of one of those things because we'll talk about with the prequels, but I'm pretty sure... Lucas, you know, then 15 plus years later was like, Spielberg, you should direct these prequels or at least one of them. And he was like, no, you should. So I guess we can all also blame Spielberg for the prequels. Like, ah, no, George, you got it. He didn't got it, but we'll get into that in the next couple of weeks. No, but yeah, like you said, it, it's really interesting to think about, especially at that time. I mean, in 83, I mean, Spielberg had already done Jaws. He had already made like the first summer blockbuster. And we also know like you know, the huge movies he had coming up. So it's interesting to think about how this movie may have affected his career. So just one of those kind of fun things to think about. But, oh, well, we got Richard Marquand, a.k.a. Markand. Him and Spiel- uh, Lucas and Spielberg also made uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark between Empire and... Um, right. Yeah, no, they, they were friends. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg, so it makes sense Spielberg that he asked yeah. yeah, Spielberg was Lucas's first choice to direct this film. But then mm-hmm. the Director's Guild got in the way and they banned him from working on the, on the franchise. Uh, you know that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, who's uh, Richard Marquand? Like, did he have any credits? Do you know? Well, he had to find uh, Lucas had to find a director not in the Directors Guild. I know, so but did that mean did he just like pull up a list of every director that wasn't <laughs> in the guild and then just like explain? Like, I'm curious who this guy was. I should have looked into. He that. probably was just like he probably was just like let me find the one guy that's going to let me put all my dumb ideas into the movie and I'll go with. <laughs> Honestly, <him." laughs> that might not be that far off because there were some dumb shit in here. <laughs> So Uh, so the other bit of production drama is uh, Harrison Ford was originally not going to return for this film. Um, He was actually only contracted for two films. Well, everyone else was only was contracted for three. That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, Eventually, a producer was able to get him to return, um, but Ford wanted Solo to die as a self sacrifice for everyone else in this film as like the culmination of his character arc. However, Mm -hmm. Lucas refused, believing he wouldn't be able to sell Dead Hound Solo merchandise. Well, okay. 
so many thoughts just come into my head. For, I guess the first <laughs> thing is, what does dead Han Solo merchandise mean? He wants to like sell a, like a doll of Harrison Ford's corpse. Like, what does that mean? So at this point, you know, the Star Wars merch is really taking off. Yeah. And uh, Lucas believed that if uh, Han Solo dies in this film, then that was going to hurt his merchandise. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just one less toy he could have sold. Okay, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing. Well, Darth Vader um, dies. Always, they sell Darth Vader action figures. I guess. I guess he was in enough of the movie. But, um, yeah, the interesting thing here is I always knew that Harrison Ford always pushed for he thought you know Han Solo should have died at the end of Empire, um, and he didn't want to be in Return of the Jedi. And honestly, I can't blame him because looking at his storyline, it's kind of like in this movie, it, you know, it, it just feels kind of pointless a little bit. He doesn't really do much. Um, um, well, Han or Harrison Ford's actually gone on record saying he believes. Han Solo has nothing to do after he's rec- rescued from Jabba's palace. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's completely true. But the other thing that is weird, though, is like if he was only contracted for two films, then why at the end of Empire did they make a point? I guess I just didn't remember that like at the end of Empire, I thought it was pretty clear that Han could be dead. And then in Return of the Jedi, I was like a surprise that he was alive. But at the end of Empire, I mean, Lando and Chewie go looking for him. They go, you know, they're going to go find Jabba and go find him. So in a weird way, I get why he's back because they kind of made a point at the end of the last one that he isn't dead. But then, yeah, and then in this one, he doesn't really do anything. And same with Leia, which we'll get into that later. I feel like we kind of need to. I feel like neither of them have anything interesting to do in this movie. I mean, they, they're they active, they do important things, but nothing remotely interesting, in my opinion. Well, it's really weird too, because like, from what I was reading, it, it doesn't sound like George Lucas tried too hard to get Hunt to get Harrison Ford to come back for this film. Like a producer came to him and said, Hey, you really should bring Harrison Ford back. And George Lucas is just like, nah, I don't care. We'll, we'll write him out of the movie. And then the producer was like, if I can get him to come back, will you put him in the movie? And Lucas was like, well, I guess I can write a part for him. <laughs> like it, it doesn't sound like he really wanted him to be in this film. I think they might've had like a weird relationship. Not like he was antagonistic. I, I just don't think they had like a great relationship or anything it just sounds like um, harrison ford didn't really want to be in it that much more so than george lucas not wanting him in yeah i guess yeah maybe that's what it was maybe he made a point of that and george lucas didn't like that so then he's like well why should i write a part for this guy we'll just say he died and then i guess you know the powers that be were like i guess we'll get him in so it does you know the worst thing i can say about that is it does seem like he is kind of forced in this movie and then just doesn't yeah. do anything so but, you know whatever so this film released on may 25th 1983 um, it would eventually become the highest grossing film of 1983. Um, so once again, just a crazy smash hit. Um, and then the critical response, uh, a lot of critics felt the film was visually and technically impressive and a spectacle to see on the big screen. Um, but most agreed that the story and cast performance was weaker than the previous two. So much um, so. And then and yeah. Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford were individually criticized for their uh, roles with critics saying Ford didn't have enough to do. And critics also saying that Hamill wasn't a dramatic enough actor to carry the lead in this film. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. I'll agree with I'll agree with parts of that and disagree with others. I actually think this is Mark Hamill's best so far. We'll get to. Oh, the well, actual we're going to disagree on that up. later. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'll be in the middle. Empire. I'll be in the middle on that one. For I guess. I guess I shouldn't say that. I just liked him in this movie. I thought he, I wouldn't like have criticized him, um, but I obviously will agree because we just talked about the Harrison Ford. Like his role was weird in this one. Um, yeah, but I will say, going back to A New Hope, it does feel weirdly like this movie echoes that, because we talked about that. We talked about how bad the dialogue was in A New Hope, and I remember Austin telling us that that was kind of the critical response as well, that they thought it was like the most amazing movie ever, like visually, blah, 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 like technically and all that good stuff, but like the dialogue was garbage. Um, it feels weirdly like, I don't know what changed, because Empire was great. The dialogue, everything, we were talking about how it gave us chills at some point. And here, it just felt like it reversed back to the original. I mean, the, there's some dialogue on this that I, like, rolled my eyes out of my head. Like, it was just yeah. so bad. It felt like just a shitty Shakespeare production sometimes. The biggest change I could see was that uh, Lee Brackett did not, mm. like, co-write this movie. And she okay. co-wrote Empire, and she was a science fiction author, like we talked about. So that's the biggest change I could see between the production crew. So maybe that had an impact on the film, but I didn't see anything, like, specifically saying that like her loss was also this movie's loss. Well, it could be because the person I, I was going to bring it up later. I mean, the person I was just referring to that the dialogue was really bad was Leia. And we know Lee Brackett as a woman back then may have been like, uh, hey, guys from the 1970s. I don't know if you know how to write women. 
<laughs> so maybe she had a part in that. Leia's, Leia's dialogue in this movie, I was shocked. It is the worst <laughs> I've ever heard. It was so bad. Also, if they had a woman on their production crew, they probably would have been like, hey, maybe we don't put her in a bikini for the first 45 minutes of the film. Yeah, that's actually another good point. That's not even a joke. (laughs) I mean, I bet somebody would have said, this seems weird. Like, hey, Lawrence Kasdan, co-writer. Let me, let's lean away from that. Her just standing around in like (laughs) no clothing. Uh, I don't know, man. Weird stuff for lay in this one. Alrighty. Well, let's jump into the first act. Um, This film opens, as always, with that classic opening crawl. In the opening crawl, we learn that Luke is back on Tata. Luke is back on Tata. Tata fucking hell, man. <laughs> now you got to leave that in. You got to leave it in now. If you had done it once, you can cut it. But now you can't cut that. <laughs> Luke is back on Tatooine trying to rescue Han from Jabba the Hutt. The Empire has also started construction on a second Death Star. In the rest of the fact, first act, we learn that the Emperor is coming to oversee construction of the Death Star personally. Luke, Leia, Lando, and Chewie are attempting to rescue Han from Jabba. Leia by impersonating a bounty hunter and Luke by requesting a meeting with Jabba and offering 3PO and R2 as gifts. Which I agreed with that part. I mean, I, I wish we could have <laughs> kept R2, but I mean, I, I was hoping this would be C, uh, C-3PO's last scene. Anyway, real quick, back to the crawl. Did this get? Did this remind you? Obviously, in a week, in weeks and weeks from now, we'll get to Rise of Skywalker. But I will never forget in the theater for Rise of Skywalker when the first line of the crawl just said, "Palpatine is back," and I was like, "Huh." <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same way here when just out of no, I love the first line. Kind of like you said, it was like Luke Skywalker back on Tatooine looking for Han Solo. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then the next line is like, the Galactic Empire is building a second Death Star. <laughs> and I was like, what? More Why? powerful than the first. When did they do that? How are they doing it right now? How quick? Know, that's going to take a while. Fast construction, too. They already had like three quarters of it done. I know. Do you remember the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith where we see them building it and then we don't see it finished until episode four, <laughs> like 30 years later? Yeah, crazy. I did not remember that them building a second Death Star was a plot point in this movie. I guess they just rehashed old ideas. Well, like they unfortunately, we'll get to it, but it starts kind of a trend, which is like the Death Star kind of <laughs> makes a couple more appearances throughout this franchise. Maybe a few too many. But anyway, let's, yeah, let's get back to the first act. Okay, yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, we do learn the Empire, the Emperor is going to oversee production personally. And then we cut right down to Tatooine where 3PO and R2 are there delivering a message where eventually uh, Luke does offer them as gifts. I do, I do like the droids a lot more in this film, but it is very weird that we spend like 20 minutes with just these two before we actually get to the rest of like the major characters. Like it's just the 3PO and R2 show for about the first 20 minutes of this film. There are yeah. some funny moments with them, though, when they first get the Jabba's Palace with the whole uh, robot uh, eye thing coming out at the gate. And then they uh, run into that weird snake looking head guy that's like a wonga wonga. And he's like, <laughs> the, the Jabba language and all that. that. That stuff always cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about how, like, the beginning of an empire, the beginning of empire sets like a, a really serious tone right off the bat. This film, like, it's it's very silly, like, right as we start. The rescue Han stuff, they had a, it was a good idea, you know, rescuing him and all that, but all the stuff that happened in between, like, the uh, the weird, like, singing in the cantina. Yeah, that, that weird jazz band that he keeps on staff 24-7 to play him some sweet tunes. <laughs> I wonder who's idea, whose idea that was. Um, I did like Leia, though, going undercover as a bounty hunter. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was a nice, a little cool uh, moment for her character. Yeah, I like that. Um, I do like how Lando's there too, and like like they show the audience by him just like awkwardly like looking into the camera and like pulling his mask like halfway down. <laughs> yeah, he does not have much to do here. <laughs> what does he ultimately do? I guess this all this really leads up to him. Like with him is just that he like pushes a couple guys when they get to the skiff, but then he ends up just falling off of it. We did a good shot of Boba Fett though. Yeah, it's the last one. <laughs> well, eventually uh, Jabba does catch Leia sneaking into his compound as a bounty hunter. Um, he also imprisons Luke um, and he orders that they're all going to be thrown into the sand pit um, and fed to the Sarlacc. Um, and this is where we get kind of the final fight scene. Eventually R2 gets Luke a lightsaber. Um, and I think this is where we get like probably the coolest lightsaber action of the original trilogy. It could have been so much better though. I mean, why could Han Solo 
not have gotten his sight back by this point. All we needed was one quick, could have just been like a quick, cool, like Western old style, like duel between him and Boba Fett. Instead, yeah. Boba Fett dies in like a slapstick way where Han Solo is blind and like turns around and like hits him with like a shovel or something in the back. And like, cause how cool is that? How cool is it? The first time you see Boba Fett, like turn on the jetpack and fly from the huge ship to like the small little skiff. Cause we haven't seen him use it. I don't think. So it's like, Whoa, that's so cool. And then he immediately, like, um, his gun gets sliced by the lightsaber, and you're like, oh, he's fucked. But then he, like, totally ropes up Luke. He, like, ties him up. He's like, whoa, this is kind of cool. Yeah. And then he yeah. just dies in a slapstick fashion. And then he literally falls into the Sarlacc, and it burps. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. so it, silly, it literally, It's so silly. It literally looks like he trips over Han, trips into his jetpack, and then shoots himself into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. The one cool thing I can say about it is I've always loved Han Solo's reaction when he's blind and Chewie tells him that Boba Fett's there, yeah. like his voice, like it's like he's genuinely scared a little bit, which is kind of cool. It's like it kind of maybe makes you kind of imagine what their relationship while working with the job it was like. Um, but again, that, that's why it could have been so much cooler if they had actually had like a fight scene. Instead, he's really scared and then he just gets lucky and like hits him in the back and like his back <laughs> explodes basically. So whatever. Overall, cool stuff. And Leia chokes out Jabba. Also cool. Yeah, Leia does choke out Jabba. I like that. Um, I think it's cool that she's the one that gets to kill him since he's the one that imprisons her. Um, before we move on, though, I do want to know, what do you guys think is the better opening sequence? Hoth or Jabba's palace? Hoth oh, for me. Hoth. It's yeah. not even close, I don't think. I think there's some great stuff here. Luke's introduction in this movie is probably the best. Um, he seems like just so cool and like well more trained. And when he says he's a Jedi Knight, I actually believe him. Um, but yeah, like, like we talked about, there's just too much silly stuff, I think, where Hoth actually feels like somehow they made it feel like a realistic war movie in like the space opera, which is crazy. And yeah, there's just so much cool stuff on Hoth for me. Yeah, I think it's Hoth for me as well. Um, I think, like you said, now there is some fun stuff here, but overall, this is very silly and uh, really does kind of set a silly tone for the rest of the film, I think. Which is fine. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. It's just that it does feel weird to kind of shift tones in the third movie of what was intended to just be three movies originally. So yeah, let's get into the second act here. Um, in this in this second act, Luke returns to Dagobah, where Yoda conf- where Yoda confirms Vader is his father and reveals Leia is his sister. We also learn the Emperor wants Vader to bring Luke to him so they can turn him to the dark side. Luke eventually rejoins the rebels and they start their plan to sabotage the second Death Star and kill the Emperor. Um, this plan takes us to an Ewok inhabited Endor, where the rebels must take down a shield generator so they can attack the Death Star. Yeah, I thought it was a cool scene, him coming back to Dagobah. He's, you know, like we were talking about earlier, he's like he's more matured and confident. He's got the the new his new green lightsaber and his black suit, so that makes him cooler somehow. But he was there to see Yoda in his last hour and Yoda gave him his last piece of advice and Master Yoda, you can't die. <laughs> yeah. Nine hundred years old, you won't look as good then or something like that. I can't remember the line. I don't know, man. Yeah, this was a weird scene. I feel like I don't blame Luke later on when he like gets pissed at Obi-Wan. He's like, why didn't you guys tell me this stuff? It seems like a weird thing to lie about. And he does again. He follows up with that line from the last one where he says, there is another. And he's talking about Leia, his sister. It's like, why even introduce that plot point? I mean, they do nothing with it. He even says Luke is going to be the last Jedi. And then he goes, but there is another. There is another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, man. Um, it is very weird that he flies all the way back to Dagobah just for Yoda to die on, uh, assumingly, his first night like on <laughs> <Yeah>. the planet. <laughs> he dies immediately, basically. So I guess he came back at the right time because it was his last chance. Um, Originally, they weren't going to have Yoda in this film. So he's just that's why he's kind of just like shoehorned in there. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know that. They, they, felt like they, they felt like they needed him to confirm that Vader was his father or else the audience might think Vader was lying. I feel like that would have been so much more effective if Obi-Wan had done it since he was the one that told the lie in the first place. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, can you imagine that? Can you imagine Luke being the one to Obi-Wan? Like, 
tell me the truth. Like this guy says he's my father. Is that true? I feel like it would have been way cooler if he had then had to be like, look, I lied to you. I'm sorry. That would have been cooler. I think uh, I'm glad Yoda's in the movie. Obviously I love Yoda, but yeah, I didn't know that. So that kind of confirms why it feels weirdly forced and why he just uses his dying breath to <laughs> tell the truth about all the stuff he lied about. So I don't know. And like, and like I said earlier, he does have that weird line where he's like, uh, Luke's like, but I came back. You have to train me. And then Yoda's like, you know, you're done. You are trained. I can't teach you anything. And then Luke's like, okay, well, I guess I'm a Jedi Knight. And he's like, <laughs> no, you have much to learn. It's like, what? Yoda's got to get one last burn in there. I guess, yeah. yeah. So. Always had to, has to humble Luke in some way. But yeah, just, just killing Vader was his last task to becoming a Jedi Knight. That's a good point. I mean, again, to your point, Austin, it kind of feels like they're defying the last movie's like philosophical ideas about the force at every moment i mean yeah whenever luke's like I'm, I'm a jedi knight and he's like no you're not you have to confront vader and at first you're like okay he's got to confront him and kind of like figure out what that means it's like i guess that makes sense but then later whenever he meets with obi-wan he's like i don't want to confront vader and at first you're like well why don't you want to like talk to him and then he's like i'm not going to kill him and obi-wan's like well that's why you fail it's like wait what yeah that <laughs> is very weird guy? it's it's so just, weird yeah like, they're always telling him, don't give in to your anger, don't give in to your anger. But then they're going, fucking kill him, Luke, kill him. It's like, Obi-Wan, you could have killed him in the original, but you chose yeah. to disappear before he even got hit. That's your. That's on you, man. <laughs> Help me out. When I, what I remember of this film was that when Luke finds out Leia is his sister, he's, like, shocked. That's what I remembered. But Luke is not very affected by the revelation that he's been macking on his sister for the past two movies um his face doesn't change at all when yoda tells him this like he just stares blankly and goes oh okay leia's my sister i, I remembered obi-wan telling him i guess he did right I, did, I guess i just thought it was more weird that whenever it was confirmed that leia was his sister they started licking his lips do you guys think that was weird too <laughs> <laughs> i love whenever she tells Han at the end and he looks like he hasn't heard anything more confusing in his entire life. <laughs> been like, oh shit, she is. <laughs> she, we kissed. Yeah. You have told me this earlier. <laughs> I'm sure Lee Brackett, whenever she was sitting in the theater, she was like, huh? <laughs> she was like, I wrote them as like kind of a romantic thing. <laughs> yeah. Weird, man. It is a weird choice that comes out of nowhere and again i mean we talked about at the end of uh, empire it's like if you want to do something cool with that where like luke is captured and he's up in the death star for like the last act and then leia has to somehow come in i don't know maybe obi-wan or yoda then appears as a force ghost to her and she has to do something um maybe her going to vader realizing he has a another child which he weirdly doesn't react to whenever he finds out later remember he sees leia and he goes i have another kid i'm doing the wrong thing i I can't do this it just it's so weird to me that they don't do anything with the fact that like the quote-unquote there is another and like basically they introduce this sibling relationship and the only thing they do with it is treat it as a reveal like they find out like they're siblings but that doesn't mean anything to the plot like nothing changes because of that. So it's weird that they even introduced it in my opinion. Yeah. And, and on the dark side as well, it doesn't even mean anything because Vader only senses Luke's presence whenever he's on a ship or somewhere, never senses Leia's at all. Never, never mentions it until the last fight where he's like, Oh yeah, you have a sister. And then, uh, but yeah, so eventually after Yoda dies, uh, Luke does leave Dagobah. He meets up with the rebels where Gen- General Akbar is uh, revealing that their spies have uncovered another weakness in the Death Star um, and also that the Emperor is personally overseeing construction. Yeah, these people suck at building Death Stars. <laughs> They're always building a weakness in there. They yeah, didn't learn from the first one. It's the same plot line. Yeah, it's like, all right, guys, what if we built a perfect pathway from the outside into the middle of this Death Star that ships could, multiple ships could fly into and blow up and leave. It's like, what are you doing? I guess the argument there is that they weren't fully done constructing it, so maybe that's why that pathway was open. I guess, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with Keith's point. It, it is odd. Um, anyway, what happens next? 
So uh, they realize that um, in order for them to launch an attack on the Death Star, they will have to destroy a shield generator on Endor. So uh, Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewie and the droids all go down to Endor um, in a stolen Empire ship. This was weird because at this point in the movie, I was like, whoa, I'm not loving this movie so far, but at least it's flying by. I mean, we're already at the third act. Here we go. We're going to go destroy the shield generator. And then I clicked on like the Disney Plus like window or whatever, and it said we were an hour into a movie, and there was an hour and 14 minutes left. And I was like, oh my <laughs> God, dude, I can't do this. This should have been like the third act and there's like two more full acts <laughs> this movie this movie moves at a snail's pace this movie just drags by yeah for me it, it just felt so long oh this one went by quick for me i don't know it went by a lot quicker than empire you've seen empire a bunch though when was the last time you saw this movie i saw this movie actually two weeks ago well i mean i can already answer it in advance i mean the reason this movie felt slow for me is for what we're about to get into it's just we didn't need all this ewok stuff and we also didn't need like the final throne room encounter to be so stretched out <laughs> anyway um so they do encounter a few empire soldiers once they land um eventually they do end up split up um, where Leia uh, gets saved by an Ewok and taken back to their encampment. And then eventually um, Han, Chewie, and Luke and the droids all fall into another Ewok trap where they uh, think, where the Ewoks end up thinking that C-3PO is a god. What did you guys think about this little plot device? Uh, I just have to say, I think the biggest flaw of this movie is that in the Ewoks like saved the day pretty much. Like It was just all these little teddy bears. And brought down the Empire at the end. I, I thought that was so dumb. Originally, Endor was going to be full of Wookiees. It was going to be like Chewbacca's homeworld. Um, so would you have rather had a planet full of Wookiees, Keith? It sounds like you would have rather had that. No, because you get to see the Kashyyyk in the prequels. With the, That's the world full of Wookiees. You get to see that later on in the prequels, which we didn't know at that at this time. But uh, I thought it would have been, been cooler if there would have been more like we were talking about earlier with Hoth. If there would have been a lot of uh, like rebel soldiers come down uh, and kind of come in and save the day instead of a bunch of little teddy bears. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have a problem with it per se. I just think it's weird when when it's when you think about it. Just on the one hand, I get it that like you know this thing was built on Endor. Maybe they built it there because they thought these Ewoks were so unassuming. It's like, hey, we'll build our main defense for the meantime on this moon where like the inhabitants are these really small cute teddy bear creatures and like nobody will you know mess with us i'm sure that was the idea so on the one hand i think it's cool that they kind of help rise up and help at the end um but yeah i think more of my problem is like i said earlier i just feel like all this stuff just goes on way too long i mean i think this movie could have been paced a bit better at this point going forward i do think it's funny that whenever leia does encounter her first ewok she like talks to it like it's a little kid, but for all she knows, it could be like a respected elder in its village. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she feeds him Keith's favorite food, like that dried tauntaun intestine that Luke was <laughs> snacking on. <laughs> like they act like this is like the best food in the world. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think of uh, the Ewok seeing 3PO as a god? Did that work for you or did you just think it was silly? Um, I guess that worked because they had to have some sort of way to get out of that situation, I guess. But, um. Yeah, I, yeah, I get. I, it's weird. I guess for me, like looking at it in a vacuum, I like it. I think it's funny. I think they did some cool stuff with it and they made 3PO tolerable and kind of enjoyable in that sense. Um, but at the same time, I would have been fine if it had all been cut out just for like time and pace and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess it gave us more opportunities to have all these characters together, you know, so I can't complain too much about that. We got some good back and forth and banter between them all. So, you Did know, we? Did we I get some know. good banter? We got banter. Well, we got, we got, yeah, I don't I guess, know if we got yeah. good banter. I guess that's what it is. I guess at this point, I like seeing these characters together, and they're so rarely all together. So I guess maybe I was a little bit caught up in that. Like, I just like seeing them interact. Was it good or interesting? Maybe not, but... At least it was something. Again, my perfect world also would have been cut out anyway. Like, I just think it's pointless. But, you know, there's some good bits here and there. So 3PO does eventually, because they think he's a god, he's able to tell the Ewoks that they're fighting the Empire. And he gets the Ewoks to join them um, in their battle. 
Um, eventually, Luke and Leia do have a moment of uh, where they can get away from everything, and Luke reveals to her that Vader is Vader is his father, and she is his sister, which she apparently knows, and she's always known. Which is like, don't say that. And if you're going to make out with me in the last movie, don't say that you've always known. Just say that. Oh shit, that's crazy. <laughs> that would be the appropriate line. Um, yeah. Again, I think when I was a kid, this was the coolest thing in the world. But looking at it now, I just I, I don't even know why it was introduced. I mean, this is the last time it's relevant. This relationship between them, because there's no point where later on Luke is just trapped and Leia has to, you know, unlock her powers to come and help him or something. Like it's just. I don't know. I don't even. It's just a twist, and they put it in here because they had the biggest twist of all time in the last movie. So they're like, "Oh shit, we got to top it. We got to got to figure something out." Except the twist that Vader is Luke's father is like the most integral part going forward. And this twist, they just come up with a twist, but no repercussions. So I just <laughs> I, even, I don't care about the scene. And this was like the this was the peak of bad Leia dialogue, like. This was so bad. Listening to her describe her mother and then Mark Hamill's reaction, like, Leia, tell me about your real mother. Like, <laughs> so, this thing is weird. I, I don't know. Well, who he, he tells her they're related in such a weird way, too. And he, he just My goes like, has it. You know. I have it. My sister has it, too. <laughs> and then she starts licking her lips, which I found weird. No, this is bad. Um, I think when, <laughs> Han, when Han comes up after, it's even worse. Yeah, it's so bad. Like, when Han well, you could up. tell Luke, what, what is it? And he, she's like, I I can't tell you. <laughs> it also doesn't help that she looks like a young Carol Baskin in these Endor scenes. <laughs> She really does. She looks. Now so that you say that, she really does. Yeah. And where does she get the dress too? Remember, she comes out of that little hut and she's in a dress. <laughs> yeah. She looks like she's the Ewoks gave her the Ewoks gave her a dress. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, so while all this is happening on Endor, we do have um, a little back and forth between the Emperor and Vader. Uh, Vader tells the Emperor that he can sense Luke, and then the Emperor questions his loyalty. Um, what are your thoughts on the Emperor in this film, Matt? I know last time you said you thought it was silly. Do you still feel that way? Yes and no. I mean, I think the Emperor has some good moments, um, particularly at the end. But overall, I mean, we talked about it last time. I, I think the Emperor's only in this franchise. He's only introduced originally so that you introduce that Vader has a boss and you make him even more evil so that Vader can be redeemed at the end of the last movie. I think that's the only reason the Emperor was introduced. So, And to me, I guess watching it this time, it just felt so apparent which is like, if you're going to do something with that, just kind of hide it. But it, didn't, it felt a little bit forced to me. Um, but that being said, I think Ian McDiarmid's performance is as good as it could have been. And I think there's some engaging moments, and I like some of the Vader and Emperor back and forth. And it is scary at the end watching the Emperor like electrocute Luke. So there's some great moments. I just, overall, it's just so weird looking back at A New Hope, looking at Darth Vader as a character, and then looking at him having like this guy that he's so subservient to. Um, I guess on the one hand, it makes sense because we always knew from the get-go that Vader must have had a boss. I guess it just seems weird to now see that boss and their relationship. But, you know, I get it on one hand. On the other hand, it feels forced, I guess is kind of my conclusion. What about you, Keith? As our resident Star Wars super fan, what do you think of the Emperor? Uh, I think I like the Emperor a little bit more than Matthew. Um, Good. Good. Yeah, I thought his dialogue was always kind of funny and creepy. And um, I thought it was kind of cool, I guess, how he – I'm trying to put in words. So the dark side always has – or the Sith always had to have two. At least that's what I've read. So it's kind of – Yeah, the rule of two. Yeah, yeah, the rule of two. So, you know, he was trying to seduce Blute to the dark side and um, like saying to strike me down. I'm unarmed and all that. Which I also was kind of confused by is like, why is he just saying to strike Vader down? Because that's what, if you go back to the pre, which we'll get into the prequels later on in our series here. But um, whenever um, in Revenge of the Sith, third one, whenever Anakin's fighting uh, Count Dooku, he, you know, Count Dooku is, which they didn't know, but Count Dooku was the second one, and he has Anakin kill Count Dooku. So I thought it was gonna be more. You know, you would think that he would be asking Vader, but I know these came up before, so they didn't have that story down yet. Yeah, to me, it seemed clear by the end that the Emperor's goal 
was that Luke was going to get so angry at being trapped that he would kill Vader and then the Emperor would be his master. Yeah, um, That was clearly the goal, but you're right, it does seem weird that he's like just telling him to strike him down. Like, what if he had just stabbed him? Like, I don't think Vader would be like, all right, now I'm your master. It's like, what? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think that would have happened. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're saying, but at least the dialogue's performed well, which we can't say for all the actors in these movies. That's because they were thinking 30 years ahead and they knew Palpatine was going to have copies of himself. Dude, I can't wait to get to Rise of Skywalker. I'm going to tear that shitty movie apart. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well, let's get into this final act. Um, the Emperor reveals that he allowed the Rebels to attack the Death Star and that it's a trap. Um, the Death Star is actually fully operational and he makes Luke watch as this trap is sprung. He hopes to make Luke succumb in anger and give in to the dark side. Um, back on the ground, the Ewoks eventually help Leia and Han uh, fend off the, Rebel, the Empire forces and the Rebels fight the Empire in space. Eventually, Vader sacrifices himself to save Luke from the Emperor, and the Rebels destroy the Death Star and defeat the Empire once and for all. Wow. Good job, guys. Here, Keith, do your best impression of Lando's uh, Yahoo whenever they get out of uh, the Death Star explosion. Oh, yeah, I guess I should mention Lando is here as well, because <laughs> he's here. Yeah. Lando and his uh, fish head Nien partner. Nub? Nub? I don't know, something like that. It's not a fish head, it's a monkey head, isn't it? No, it's a fish head, straight up fish head. Straight up fish head, brother. How could you straight make Straight up fish head, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lando goes, Yahoo! Oh, that was really good, actually. That was a good impression. And then, and then the fish head partner goes, <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine what Billy D. Williams must have been like when he read this when he read this script and they were like, All right, you have four lines. Welcome back to the Star Wars franchise. Welcome back, baby. Yeah, he must have been so excited to have a bigger role and that he's literally behind a mask for the entirety of the beginning scene. And then <laughs> there's that weird scene where Han's like, you're a general? And he's like, yeah. And then he's like, man, people go through the ranks really quick in the Rebel Alliance. And then, uh, yeah, then he's just in the Millennium Falcon. And then he blows it up and then goes Yahoo. That's pretty much his role in this movie. Um, okay, so Luke does eventually uh, turn himself over or let himself get captured by Vader. Um, Vader and him have some a little bit of back and forth where Vader asks him if he's come to terms with the fact that he's father. And Luke hits him back with, I accept that Anakin in my, is my father. And he knows that there's still good in him. What do you think about this little back and forth here? I thought that was, I, that's actually one of my favorite scenes in that little yeah. hallway there before I they agree. leave. Yeah, it's, it's and, one of the best um, ones for sure. Yeah, and I like that he's kind of getting inside his own dad's head, you know, telling him like you're, you're like you're conflicted. Like I know you're conflicted, so it kind of shows that Luke is rising with his Force abilities. So yeah, and Vader also calls him son, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought that was cool though. Definitely, I think that alone probably shows that he's conflicted. I mean, otherwise he would probably just call him Luke or Skywalker. Um, I do really like how uh, Vader goes. Obi used to think that too. Um, but he doesn't understand the power of the dark side. I like how they, he kind of lets in a little bit more on the relationship that Obi-Wan and him used to have. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff between Vader and Luke for sure. Um, I think some of the best in the trilogy, certainly. I did find it kind of weird, though, that like the writing is, I think you could argue it's probably the worst in this movie of the original trilogy. But it does feel like there's a lot more talking in this film than the previous films. I feel like a lot more talking with Vader, I guess. Yeah, maybe like that's why. Yeah. It's, it kind of felt like there was just, in terms of storytelling, there was a lot more telling rather than showing. I mean, yeah, just a lot of talking to resolve things. I mean, for example, like, why does Luke all of a sudden think that there's good in his father? Is that just hope? Like, I mean, there's no proof of that. Like, there's literally... I think it's got to be... I think it's got to be hope because isn't yeah. hope one of the driving factors of the, the light side of the force? I guess. They make it up as they go along. We can make it up on our show too. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so eventually uh, Vader does take Luke to the Emperor um, and then we kind of cut back to Han and Leia on Endor um, being helped by the Ewoks uh, fend off some of the Empire forces. Um, I know it's kind of divisive among fans if the Ewoks could actually defeat the Empire forces what do you guys think? Do you think the Ewoks actually stand a chance here, or do you think they should have been wiped out? Um, I, mean, I guess they stand a chance. They're just what are they? Just throwing rocks 
They had all those booby traps set up for the ATST walkers. That thought that was pretty cool to see those getting smashed and all that. I guess they they were well prepared for this. That's for sure. Yeah, would they have won if this battle had kept going? Like if you know they couldn't destroy the shield generating generator and then like Lando and crew couldn't destroy the Death Star. No, I feel like if that stuff wasn't going on, like the Wookie or the Ewoks, sorry, were just getting attacked, then yeah, I think they wouldn't have been able to hold out. But I think using them as kind of a just like a temporary distraction to kind of give the others time to get the generator down and so forth. I think that will work for the most part. Sure. There's some silly stuff in there in terms of like how kind of well set some of these traps were and like they were the right size, I guess, for like ATATs and whatever. But yeah, I think for the most part, it kind of just seems more of like a distraction, not like a battle they would have won in the long term or anything. Yeah, well, that's that's George Lucas's argument is that this wasn't he it wasn't meant for the Ewoks to defeat the Empire; they were just a diversion. Right, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay, so meanwhile, we we kind of cut back and forth here. Um, we're back on the Death Star with Emperor and Luke. Uh, Luke reve- or the Emperor reveals that the Death Star is fully operational, and he uses it to destroy um, a Rebel frigate. Um, and we kind of figure out that his plan is he wants to make Luke watch as the rebel forces get uh, destroyed by the empire forces he wants to make luke so angry that he'll strike him down and give in to the dark side of the force i kind of wish like he'd said that i feel like it would have been more powerful if like he had started to say like strike vader down like you know what he did to you um and then like to see vader's reaction to that and then maybe then luke and vader are forced to fight i feel like that would have been like a slight change that would have been more powerful um again yeah like we already talked about it. it's a little bit confusing that he's telling luke to strike him down it's like why would you want to do that <laughs> unless he's planning <laughs> on not letting him i don't know kind of like a weird thing but yeah overall i enjoy the dialogue and i feel like it is ultimately a really good build up to him and vader fighting and the fight's awesome so it worked out for the most part. yeah i think we can get into the fight um eventually luke does try to strike the emperor and then vader kind of blocks him and then him and vader end up fighting i thought the lightsaber fighting was maybe better than the uh, empire fighting i guess as far as all the contact they had with their lightsabers and everything like that was just a little bit longer and it wasn't quite as, uh, I guess the word is choppy, I guess, in the way it looked. I don't know. It looked more fluid. I don't know. It was definitely shot better. I thought there were some really great shots. My favorite being when they're doing this amazing choreography, like in a straight line, but the entire thing is behind just like a, a stairwell, but it's like kind of like graded so you can see through it. And it's like, they're doing yeah, all this awesome cool. stuff, but like they're doing it to like this destroyed staircase. It's just really cool looking. Um, and because we've seen how powerful Vader is just with like one hand holding the lightsaber. Um, so it was really cool that the fight ended basically with like Luke kind of getting the better of him and just like, just freaking like knocking him down and just dashing his lightsaber and ultimately cutting yeah. his hand off. I mean, it is, it is surprising. Like you kind of, I mean, feel like I, I could see Luke turning at this point. I mean, yeah, in that I, moment right there, it looks like he's very angry for sure. I mean, kind of, I mean, and he has a reason to a little bit. I guess maybe not turn to the dark side, but at least rethink the Jedi stuff. I mean, his two mentors, Obi-Wan and Yoda, just lied to him. And their reaction whenever he demanded the truth was just Yoda literally just got it out right before he died. And then Obi-Wan is a ghost. He confronts him and he like doesn't even really care. And then he's like, you got to go confront your father. And he's like, I don't want to. And he's like, well, if you don't kill him, then you suck. You can't be a Jedi. He's like, what? So Luke's perspective, maybe in some fucked up level, I think he's like, my father's clearly a bad guy, but he is my dad. Maybe I can learn something from him but just it doesn't work out and he just like cuts off his hand and you don't know what's gonna happen like is he just gonna like decapitate this guy just stab him like what's gonna happen i don't know so very effective i felt like this fight and the culmination of it yeah um so once luke does cut off vader's hand um he refuses to kill his father um which then the emperor decides okay i guess i'll kill you then so he starts shocking him with lightning and then eventually vader is moved by luke not wanting to kill him um, in the last movie, I thought one-armed Luke falling down that air chute was one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. I was wrong. Um, Vader bear-hugging and picking up the Emperor while getting shocked by lightning, I think, takes the cake for me. Yeah, a little bit silly. Well, it's even sillier now because uh, one of the things Lucas added in you know, in more recent versions is uh, he basically took Vader yelling no at the end of Revenge of the Sith, I guess. Or I guess maybe it could have been 
before that. Either way, he put in the no, like <laughs> so stupid. It's so funny. Um, it makes the moment all the more silly. And then yeah, watching the emperor just like. straight down without moving also just classic um and yeah you're right austin luckily he had those clones ready in exegol for 30 years later for rise of skywalker otherwise um, this would have been the end of our beloved (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so like we said while vader does pick up the emperor um he does get shocked by the force lightning which uh does cause Vader to start dying. Um, he does ask Luke to take off his helmet so he can look at him with his own eyes. Um, Vader slowly dies, but says Luke was right about him. So what do you guys think? Is Vader redeemed? No. He's a genocidal, <laughs> homicidal <laughs> maniac. <No. laughs> he murdered countless people, several children, uh, You know, basically ran a Nazi-like government (laughs) uh i'm glad he's dead he's not redeemed people that think he is are stupid keith do you think he's redeemed no for the same reasons (laughs) he's not not redeemed but the fact that like the good anakin was still in there is true like that he was deep down way deep down but he was too clouded by all the dark side so yeah in the end, he was still a monster, and that's why he died. So. Exactly. Obviously, I'm having fun saying that. Of course, people that think he's redeemed aren't stupid. But what I'm saying is, I do think it is an effective scene. Um, I'm just having fun. But is he redeemed like to the world? It is of a course. pretty emotional scene. Yeah, it is. And that. He, well, that's why it's important, because he's not redeemed to the world. I mean, this guy doesn't deserve anything good. He deserves to die. But the reason it's effective is I do think he is redeemed in Luke's eyes, not as a person, but just as this idea he had as like a father almost, which is pretty cool. And it is emotional. And I I hate movies that do the cliche stuff. I'm glad he didn't like just out of nowhere say that he loved Luke at the end or like something cheesy like that. I like how he just he doesn't really know this guy that well. He barely even knew until recently that he had a son. So I like that he... Even more recently, a daughter. Yeah, he just found out. <laughs> um, so I like that his response is just telling Luke that he was right about him. And that to tell his sister, not that I'm sorry, which would have been cliche, but like that you were right. I think it's really impactful and special. And I think people make fun of the way this actor, like in the makeup that they do for him. But on this viewing, I actually found it really cool because it is so jarring seeing Darth oh, Vader yeah. in his agree. full getup as like he's like the scariest thing in the galaxy. And then he take off his helmet and he just I'm not even making a joke. He just looks like a like a jolly kind of guy. It's just such a contrast <laughs> that it's so effective whenever he's like just gasping for breath trying to get out what he needs to. So yeah, it's extremely effective. So again, to the point is Whenever people talk about his Vader redeemed, I don't really get the argument. I don't think he is. All right. Well, while this is going on, um, we do cut back to one of Lando's three scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's with Wedge, Keith. He's with, our, he's with yeah. our boy Wedge. Wedge. Uh, they're flying through the Death Star. Wedge fires, fires a shot at the power generator within the Death Star. And then the Falcon finishes it off and the Death Star is destroyed. You know who did redeem themselves? Wedge did. He was awesome. Like I liked that everybody was calling out his name so that we actually knew who it was this time. I was like, oh, that's Wedge? Oh, okay. This guy's pretty cool. <laughs> um, okay. So that kind of takes us into, I guess, like the last little like ending shots. Um, we get like a celebration across the different planets of the galaxy. Um, Matt, I see, you, I see you smirking, Matt. What are you laughing at? They added some in here. Now, yeah. I don't know how many of these there were in the original. Um, I guess the, the Cloud City and Tatooine ones, those make sense. I don't know if those were always in there, but if they were, obviously, based on this story, that makes sense. Dude, why the fuck did they show <laughs> us like the Gungans on Naboo? Why did they show us Coruscant that looks the exact same? And they showed the Jedi Temple in the background that was destroyed 30 years ago. What is yeah. ha- Why did they add this stuff? <laughs> is this? Yeah. And they even put in a Gungan noise when they show Naboo. You even hear the Gungans go, Misha, Misha, <laughs> whatever they do. <laughs> <laughs> the to put in audio. It's so silly. Um, but look, I'm, I'm a sap when it comes to like closings of like franchises, at least at the time. So besides all that, I don't care about any of that. 
but seeing the characters come back together was pretty cool. Uh, and then, yes, Luke does look into the sky and he sees the force ghosts of Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Yoda looking back at him and the credits roll. I like that Yoda doesn't even acknowledge that Anakin's there because obviously he's thinking, this guy murdered all of my students. Like, why is he here? <laughs> I don't want to share the afterlife with this guy. Like, Anakin, like Hayden Christensen's just kind of smiling and Yoda's like having PTSD to whenever he saw him with his hood on walking into the Jedi Temple. <laughs> All the young ones. So, yeah, why does he get to be there as a as a? I, I would you would think Yoda and Obi Wan would not want to hang out with this guy for the rest of eternity. Yeah, well, honestly, it's probably because in George Lucas's eyes at the time, I guess Anakin was redeemed at least to the world in some sense. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean, the reason Hayden Christensen's there is because at the end of the original, they had I guess the actor that played Darth Vader without the helmet. That guy without all of his makeup and in Jedi garb was the original. Yeah. Anakin ghost that appeared and obviously then you do the prequels it's like well he never looked like that because he was just horribly disfigured he never looked like that so we have to put in Hayden Christensen Uh, so I guess that change makes sense originally uh, Obi Yoda and Anakin were going to come back to life and join in on the party like that's not even a joke that was actually going to (laughs) happen whoa I didn't know jeez I'm glad they didn't do that that would have been weird. <laughs> they just like stop being blue, and then it's like, "Are you guys alive?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah." They they were just gonna we like. <laughs> they were, I guess they were gonna use the force to bring themselves back to life, and then they were gonna party with Luke. Man, that Qui Gon was disappointed when he found out about that. He's like, "We can do that." <laughs> Dang. Obi Wan was gonna do some tequila shots. Oh, they get a shot of Sam Jackson and his Mace Windu. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah, George, George Lucas would just go back. Also, the plan was George Lucas was just going to go back and keep adding people from the prequels to this final party. Oh, he was God. actually eventually going to take out the 3PO God scene and just make the party scene longer at the end so he can fit more of the original prequel characters in. They should have added Jar Jar Binks. That would have been the ideal party goer. <laughs> well, he was on top of that weird building at the Naboo scene. Misa, Misa, we did it. <laughs> it's working. All righty. Well, that does it for the original trilogy. Congratulations once again, my friends. We made it. But we do need to do some awards. We have a new segment this week. We each came prepared with one award, and we're each <laughs> going to give it out for this film. Who wants to go first? Austin, please. I would be honored if you let us off with the award ceremony. All righty. Well, I have an award. It's for the entirety of this film, mm. and it's called the Mark Hamill Regression Award. <laughs> no, no, are you serious? He just got the most improved award last time. Nope, the entirety of the film. I'm not just going to blame it on Mark. Wow. For the entirety of this film, George Lucas, everybody gets the Mark Hamill Regression Award. This <laughs> so- movie is awful. <laughs> it's so bad. I was. I feel personally victimized by having to watch this film. I did not enjoy it. Congratulations, you all regressed. The award is called the Regression Award, but you're honoring it by giving Mark Hamill the person that it's named after. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a good award. They should be honored. We'll have to send them, have to send them that one. <laughs> Keith, what do you got? Mine was kind of different. It was the Weirdest Alien Award, hmm. and it's going to... One of the aliens at Jabba's palace. I know which one. And it goes, it goes to that blue yeah. elephant. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like a Doctor Seuss character that's playing the keyboard. Mm-hmm. I don't know who. I don't know who played him or if anybody played him, but uh, it goes to that. If anybody. <laughs> Frank Oz under him. I'm sure. Uh. Alrighty, Matt, take us home. What is your award for Return of the Jedi? It's been a great award ceremony so far, so I'm I'm happy that I get to be one to close out the show. I'm honored to present. It's been a long time coming. The Harrison Ford Honorary Most Bored Award goes to that one random rebel pilot in the last scene that's just doing the <laughs> guy dance where he's just standing still and he's just moving his hands slightly with all the Ewoks <laughs> dancing around him. That guy, he really he really killed it. I feel like Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford himself would be honored to know that there was somebody on set that was just as bored as he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, uh, I actually have a story about that guy. Him and Harrison Ford actually got drunk together every night and just complained about how bored they were working on this film. <laughs> oh, well, I believe it. <laughs> okay. Well, 
We have one last thing to get to. Last week, we asked for a couple fan messages to let us, we wanted you guys to let us know what your thoughts were on Return of the Jedi or the original trilogy. And we got a couple back. And this first one here comes from Cracked Cat Comedy on Instagram. Uh, she wanted to let us know that she loves the franchise and her favorites are Rogue One, Rise of Skywalker, and A New Hope. Uh, so she's with me there on the Rogue One Club. She also loves the Ewoks and Return of the Jedi, but she is worried of, of the safety of the Porgs in the new trilogy because of how much Chewie eats. She doesn't She doesn't think they should be together because Chewie might eat one of the Porgs. I mean, yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, Chewie, I mean, he literally just shows up on this island and starts murdering the local animal population. <laughs> and then he eats them in front of the other ones. And she did go ahead and leave us with a joke. Mm. And here it is. Perfect. What does Han Solo call a condom? Any guesses? <laughs> Pointless. Drito. <laughs> a galactic prophylactic. Oh, that's a good one. I like, yeah. that. I like that. So that was from Cracked Cat Comedy on Instagram. Thanks again for reaching out to us. And Matt, why don't you take us home with our next message? All right, guys. I got a good one here from Jesus206 underscore over on Instagram. Um, he made some good points. So let's shout him out real quick. He said, in response to you notice know, the Return of the Jedi, um, he thought that the originals have the most no-name, lame characters. Interesting point. I feel like I kind of agree. There's lots of characters in here that aren't named that really don't do anything. So interesting point. And but he did follow it up with kind of a an explosive hot take here. He said the prequels completely blow these out of the water. So in the coming weeks, we're gonna have to dive into that. He said Revenge of the Sith is better than the whole original trilogy. And that Admiral Akbar is a joke. Jeez. And I thought that was all he was going to say. I thought that was all he was going to say. He said, quote, it's a trap, end quote, classic Admiral Akbar line. I thought, again, that was going to be the end. But then he said, dude's ugly as hell also. A little bit far. Squid-faced cuck. <laughs> so, Jesus, <laughs> I guess the takeaways here are, I mean, I agree. Oh, man. I, I, I'm not saying I disagree. But uh, Admiral Akbar is a joke. Revenge of the Sith, better than the whole original trilogy. So, Jesus, we're going to need to talk to you when we get to Revenge of the Sith, because it sounds like you're a big fan. And we need to break that one down in a few weeks. But thank you anyway for reaching out, letting us know your thoughts. Yeah, Squid Face Cuck. That's a... I haven't heard that one before. Thank you for that, Jesus. I think I'm going to start using that in my daily life. I'm just going to start calling people that. Or you're eating calamari, just like, oh, you Squid Face Cuck. <laughs> Now that we're done with the original trilogy, Keith, why don't you tell me what is your personal rankings now for the original Mm. trilogy? Mm. It's tough. Well, okay, not that tough. Empire is still number one. Between Return and A New Hope, I might have to switch it. I might have to go New Hope and Return last. Um, I'm going to go Empire. A New Hope and Return as well. Return sucks. I think it might be the worst one now for me. I'm going to agree with you guys. But before we go, you know what's even more important than ranking these movies? Let's rank the best Mark Hamill performances. I'm going to go number one, Empire. Number two, Return of the Jedi. And number three, A New Hope. 3PO! 3PO! I'm going to go Empire, A New Hope... (laughs) And return. I'm going to go return last. I'm going to go return last because Mark is older here. By now, should have taken quite a few acting classes. And he should not have given this type of performance. So I'm going to cut him some slack for a new hope. But he's garbage in return. Wow. Interesting. Keith, any thoughts? I think I'll have to go with Empire, then Return, then New Hope. Good stuff. But I see where you're coming from, Austin, you know, with the old... Yeah, I don't know. Kind of like he, it's kind of like he like smoked a joint before he went into Jabba's uh, palace. He kind of just comes in. I think it looks like he just ate a lot of really bad food and was very <laughs> unhappy, <laughs> and just made that same face throughout the rest of the film. I mean, he ate something bad for sure before he did that scene with Leia, whenever he some for some reason delivered that line, Leia. Tell me about your real mother. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button as always. So you never miss an episode and please share us with a friend. We'd really appreciate that. So we can continue to grow this show at the Arnie's is our social and the Arnie's.media is the website. 
We'll be back next week with an episode on the Hulu original movie, Palm Springs. And if you have any thoughts about that film, feel free to message us on Instagram. Once again, that's at the Arnie's. And the Star Wars series will be back in two weeks. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We want to read them. We want to read them, people. Uh.